Hello and welcome to the Agile People podcast. I'm your host, David Thompson. And joining me today is Tamara Molinas, the excellent author of Adaptability. And joining us for our interviews is the awesome Oscar and Vera from the Agile People Collective. Over to you, Tamara. Hey, David. Uh, hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm very well, very happy to be here today with you to, to discuss this, uh, this topic. And uh, yeah, what can I say? I can briefly introduce myself for the people who don't know me. Uh, I am, uh, well, as I was mentioning before, half Italian and half Dutch. I'm currently living in the Netherlands, but I spend the majority of my life in Italy. Uh, and uh, for many years, I was also um, based in other continents and countries. So I have a quite, uh, let's say, multicultural uh, way of uh, living and thinking. Uh, but mainly, I think I'm a person that is very driven by uh, people, innovation, creativity, learning, and curiosity. And this is probably why I came across to the Agile People community. Um, that was, uh, I think, a little bit over uh, five years ago. Uh, that was the first time I contacted uh, Pia Maria um, because I was already experiencing um, um, and, uh, working in an agile way as I was supporting as an HR uh, manager uh, the tech and product department of a big e-commerce organization. And they were already uh, working in, in this setup, uh, but only in the tech and product department. So the first time, of course, for me was like, what is this crazy way of, uh, you know, thinking, uh, uh, you know, uh, challenging and, uh, uh, yeah, work together. I don't understand it. Uh, very much data-driven, very much uh, even people-driven. And, and for me, it was really fascinating. So I had to completely... Uh, change my perspective and uh, kind of unlearn, um, yeah, different thing I learned through my uh, 15 years of career in HR in different industries and, uh, and uh, organizations and, uh, and start all over from scratch. And I found it very fascinating. And so I was thinking, is there anyone in HR who is doing that? And that's why I start, you know, Googling. There was not much at the time, but definitely the name of Pia Maria came out. And so that's where I start to connect with her. There was just before our first book came out. And, um, and at the time, I was actually um, working in South America. I was based in Brazil. And I said, OK, as soon as I'm coming back to Europe, I want to be part of this amazing community. And this is where I uh, start indeed uh, supporting the community, uh, be you know, one of the first trainer, facilitator, or contributor. And uh, yeah, uh, watching the, the community growing was really um, was a really yeah inspirational for me because yeah I started by who is in there that think like crazy like me from and now I see that so many people are embracing that that's uh, yeah let's say my heart place of joy so uh, that's where I came also to um, yeah to uh, support and I was one of the nineteen uh, person who um, uh, worked together with uh, with Pia to uh, write the Agile People Manifesto. And, uh, and I think this chapter and this book, uh, above all, uh, came out of those, uh, of those uh, principles that, uh, that we wrote, which was an amazing experience as well. Um, I was not even sure about how the, do we start writing a manifesto? You know, it looks like such a big thing and you always look at, you know, you have the Agile Manifesto, which is the Bible of everyone. And then there was the HR Agile. And then it's like, how do we start with this? <laughs> 
But I think it all came out naturally, you know, from that confusion, chaotic, then you start organizing and, and then slowly it all came and it actually made lots of sense. And uh, yeah, so that was a beautiful experience as well. Absolutely. No, thank you for that, Tamara. And, and yes, and, and what, what a Bible that you created uh, out of that as well. You know, it's, 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 it's comparable and, and probably hijacking the original one as well, because it's, it relates to so many things and, and there's so many um, um, facets to it, as, as we're finding out on this podcast. Or I certainly am in, in terms of learning. Um, the guys from the Agile People Collective as well, we're, we're new trainers, we're new to this experience. You've obviously been in this trial, um, trial for for you know a, a number of years and, and, and had that unlearning effect of what you did traditionally in your role to what you now do. To, so, so for those new ways of working and myself, Oscar and Vera and others within the collective are starting to fall into that mindset as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's absolutely um, great work, you know, um, that you've done. So, okay, so let's continue. So um, adaptability. Um, so I, I think yes. I think I think the word and the, the phrase there I'll let you say the Charles Darwin thing in terms of you know the strongest and the fittest I think that's where people um, know adaptability from um, is one right. aspect but um, go ahead Tamara um, people like yeah to know this. no for sure this is not the the only aspect of course I I started with this phrase because I think many people uh, know who Charles Darwin is and what he said. And yeah, basically, and summarizing is just that it's not like, um, you know, that the strongest of the species survive or, you know, even the most uh, intelligent, but really those species that were able to adapt to change. And uh, that's actually the key word and the key uh, uh, phrase that catch me, because when we decided to start with this project, it was last year in i think in march there was the, the the proposal of writing a book around it and uh, everybody were asked to uh, to choose a subject and uh, for me it came naturally to say oh my god i need to talk about adaptability because we were transitioning it was really at the beginning of the pandemic and we were transitioning from you know working um in workspace or offices, whatever was the setup for many people to work completely from your, I don't know, uh, bedroom or living room or kitchen. So uh, that was already a big change. And uh, not only that, we was also start working in isolation more than in teams or even, uh, you know, uh, cut off your uh, relationships with your friends or families because at the beginning it was really um, uncertain. So that was really not clear what this virus could do. So the only thing we could do was isolating ourselves. And I am, um, I think, a, a very extrovert person. And I really like to be surrounded by people that give me lots of energy. And so I was, uh, for me, you know, there was never a, uh, <laughs> so a boundary between uh, work and, uh, and life. Uh, it was only one thing. So for me, it was really disruptive for myself as well, as well. Even if I consider myself an adaptable person, uh, more in the sense that I always would go through change with a positive mindset and really trying to get the best out of it. But this time it really cost me lots of energy to, to go through this process and also accepting that, uh, you know, uh, that was the situation that was not temporary and that there was no, uh, you know, point back. So it's not like, okay, 
at the beginning, everyone was trying to cope with this, with this change by saying, oh, life is going to be normal again very soon. We're going to go back to, uh, you know, normality very soon. We're going to go back. And it's like, there is no going back to <laughs> anymore. And this comes also to work. Um, and of course, as an HR uh, manager, I was uh, responsible for my own team, but also for big department and overall supporting the, uh, the people department leadership team as well in, in uh, uh, having this debate about what does it mean, you know, for the future of work, how do we adapt quickly, how do we change our values from uh, if we should or readapt some of them to this new way of thinking uh, and working and then yeah. Basically, you never uh, rediscuss your value, but you try to adapt them to the circumstances. Other <laughs> uh, than that, to me, adaptability is not um, a mechanism to cope with change. For me, it's really an active, uh, an, an active engagement act, where it's like you are uh, constantly learning, you are constantly trying to learn from experience from others, from yourself. So you, you are uh, doing something. It's not like you are reacting. So I think this is uh, very crucial. And I didn't want to use a, a concept that is now probably again uh, coming to, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's very famous. It's the anti-fragile concept from Taleb, um, uh, which, yeah, is, is a quite old concept if applied to economy. So how, you know, the economy recover after a crisis is why some uh, specific systems of organization, uh, instead of, uh, you know, failing and going bankrupt, actually, uh, they are growing, thriving and becoming, you know, the best in the market. Um, I kind of uh, relate to this concept by looking more as an individual. So how can we actually uh, try to make the best uh, from, you know, a crisis, from a difficult situation um, that doesn't have to be a pandemic. It could be like a reorganization in, a, in your company. I mean, if we look at uh, many of our companies, unfortunately, even the one who I currently work with uh, was pretty much hidden by, uh, yeah, by this, this pandemic. And unfortunately, uh, we had to let go 25% of our workforce, which was shocking to think about at the beginning and how to help people to um, really, you know, you can think about how can people think is a positive thing? Or how can I think, you know, personally, I can cope with that is either if I'm impacting directly or if I'm not, and still I will lose some of my teammates or people that I really love to work with. Mm -hmm. So there were different um, hints that took me to, uh, to, yeah, to write about this, uh, this topic. And uh, definitely, you know, thinking about moving from uh, as I said before, a workspace to uh, do all the activity online or do recruitment with, uh, you know, video-based uh, uh, interviews or uh, managing virtually the teams was a big thing because in the concept and core of uh, Agile, all the teams were working very close together, face-to-face, -to -face, all together, you know, like it was like so difficult at the beginning even uh, to have help the, the leaders and the people in the team who were already working in, a, in a, an agile mindset to really embrace this change. And even agile people community, we had to make, you know, big change in everything we were doing because we were providing workshop and training uh, on a, you know, I want to say face-to-face -face like uh, level, like all in one room, experiencing uh, everything together through, yeah, quickly 
try to put all the material uh, online and make sure we could provide a great experience, even if the training and the workshop was provided in, in a different setup. So I think we went through changes that nobody ever could, uh, could expect. And definitely uh, we're all part of debates uh, a year ago or two years ago, which was also probably the intent when we wrote the, uh, you know, the Agile People Manifesto, like to contribute to this debate of the future of work that was happening, but nobody was really ready. Like some people, yeah, yes or no, we can do, we cannot do, uh, we will see. Uh, and then immediately everybody is like, okay, now we really need to, have this uh, this discussion and try to uh, uh, to work on that, um, and so yeah, I think it's it's very important for me to um, to highlight this part so that adaptability is definitely a competence that can be developed. And I came across this uh, realization because of what happened. So we are all uh, designed biologically to adapt in a way. You can adapt more or less to survive, or you can adapt to, you know, uh, be a best, the best of yourself. Um, I mean, even if we think about, which is very sad, a virus is a very good example of uh, uh, something alive that is so quickly spread that we never thought about it. Is quickly adapting to different uh, immune system of bodies and it becomes stronger. So it's like, oh my God, I, I know that is a bad analogy, but it's something that really, <laughs> you know, the idea of how you can uh, become uh, yeah, stronger and stronger beside of the adversity. Um, I was also reading a lot about how you can become more adaptable if you're not naturally adaptable. And um, I think uh, something I, uh, one of the article I, I read was about uh, uh, describing uh, what are the traits of the signs to uh, adaptable person. And there was an article of uh, uh, Jeff Boss uh, uh, written for Forbes. And, um, and this article is, um, is basically trying to describe based on survey and, and general research done, what are the, these main characteristics? And uh, clearly, um, uh, it emerged that some of them are very, uh, very visible and you can literally uh, understand who those people are. And then later understand why it's important to know who they are for you or for, you know, your, your personal life, your, your uh, professional life. Uh, basically, they are people who like to experiment, who sees opportunities when people see failures, who are always positive, resourceful, um, really try uh, to take responsibility and not blame others. And, I, and there are people that are always curious and open-minded um, about you know, everything happening, trying to improve them. Um, and, I, and I thought, I think we always uh, have some people, when I was reading that, I say, oh yeah, I know some people like that. Oh, actually I know many people like that. And it's good to, it's, it's not only in the professional, but also in the personal life. Um, and, and then I, and I think I relate with lots of that. Um, and I also start thinking where I changed my own behavior to become more adaptable, where I started. And that's where I wanted to, to share, because I think that having this quality is, and this competence is one of the most important, uh, skill that, uh, organizations today are looking for in a, in a new talent. 
So it, it moved uh, from looking for the specific technical skills to really try to recognize human skills uh, or soft skills, let's say, that are more, um, more important at some, at some level to, uh, uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, the, the person can be successful in the role. And uh, so that's, that's where uh, I also think using uh, OKRs can be uh, useful for an organization and for an individual. I gave also an example uh, later about how you can use it on a personal level. But this is really, uh, I think, a very uh, flexible and adaptable tool or framework uh, that would help to, to you know, track your objective and goals and then looking at the outcomes. And uh, most importantly, I think uh, the benefit of adopting them is really uh, to make sure that employees really uh, understand how they contribute to the bigger picture uh, and how they can connect their own personal objective to those of the teams or uh, of the organization overall. Um, and then, yeah, I can talk a little bit if you want about how to, uh, how do I think people can start with small steps to become more adaptable. Um, I think it all starts by changing uh, your thoughts process. Uh, I think we, with our experience uh, in life, um, very often we hear comments like, yeah, I mean, uh, this has been done always this way. Why should we change it? Or, yeah, oh, I mean, this is not possible to do it. Or, uh, you know, this kind of very common phrase that is like, okay, and then you give up and, uh, you know, and then it's like, okay, it's not possible to do it. It's not. It's also something, unfortunately, uh, in HR, we are very much guilt of. And that's why sometimes uh, people that say, oh, you work in HR, oh my God, you're the most inflexible department. I'm like, no, I cannot believe you're saying that. You know, people really thinking that we are not there to, uh, uh, to embrace the change when uh, I think it's no longer the case. But there is a sort of reputation there that can be worked on. And that's also uh, the reason why one of my mission in life to really help bridging this gap, help HR communities to... Uh, yeah, to grow and prosper uh, despite of the uh, yeah weak reputation uh, we have we built in the past. Uh, so I really think that by start changing your thoughts, you can start uh, looking at things differently. So uh, just changing a little bit from what is not possible uh, to what could be possible, and start really taking um, uh, some risks. People are by nature risk adverse. So it's not like everyone is like, yeah, there is a risk. I'm going to go for it all in. It's like, no, that's not. But there are people that, you know, try to say, yeah, okay, why we don't try by doing this? Let's not change all the system. Let's try to start small, which is fantastic. Is actually the way it should be. Because as soon as you start small and you start having a small win, then it reinforces your confidence that you're actually doing, uh, you're doing the right thing. It also uh, gives you the opportunity to uh, receive a feedback and uh, uh, in a way that is like you can uh, fail fast or you know, learn faster. And then it's like you can make improvement in an incremental way that is supporting you know, and changing the direction when needed. And then by doing that, you are uh, you are an example, and you you needed to encourage others to do the same. 
Uh, and most importantly, I think uh, you always need to embrace learning uh, as, a, as a way of living. So because having always new perspective, uh, trying to develop new skills, um, try to see opportunities in everything you do, uh, this will, uh, will make you, uh, will let you uh, be your best. And so in a way you feel more freed up and, and your contribution, not only to yourself for your self-fulfillment, but also is for the team or, or the organization overall, or even broader to communities or, you know, your, your spiritual community, your work community, your student community, or the world, as, as you know, you can always think big. Um, so uh, that's my, that's, these are my small advices to, um, to start changing a little bit the mindset and becoming more adaptable. Fantastic, Tamara. Um, no, that's that's great. Uh, we do have some questions from Vera and Oscar, and and I think um, you know that, that was a great um, 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 flow there. I, and I think um, what you you mentioned the phrase at the start there of that unlearning, having to unlearn it. You know, particular points in your career where you've worked in a traditional organisation, traditional yeah. ways that you're almost having to unwind that and and sort of you know. You know, not dismiss it completely because it's you know it's your experience, but it's almost sure. to say, okay, that way of working, you know, is is now not effective. Whether even even though it was never effective, but that hence that that was the way that you were you were going. And once you have that realization of unlearning um, the things of the past to to then then open up that pathway to to becoming ad adaptable, that continuous learning, that continuously challenging yourself and, and looking for those opportunities is you know it's it's that that's the doorway isn't it and it's it's that simple realization and um, that we we go through that um vera's got a question for you tamara um so she's had her hand up um vera, so ahead, Ta tamara i know that you're a manager in hr and uh hr business partner so I, I wouldn't know some suggestion from your side for the HRBP or other HR people that coming back from to pandemic has to start a new path toward much more adaptability. What do you want to say to these people and to encourage them? Yes. What I always encourage my team that are all HR business partner uh, and what what I have encouraged to do during the pandemic is definitely to be close to uh, the people in the business. So what happened that traditionally when you are on HRBP level, uh, you tend only to focus on certain level of uh, uh, seniority in the organization. And uh, uh, I think that's great, but at some point you really need to understand what's happening uh, beyond this level. Uh, and especially a time like now, you need to find a different way of communicating and really be close to your people. Um, so what we developed was more a methodology to be close to everyone, more processes like creating um, spontaneously around the table about a subject that we observed was uh, uh, difficult. We started sending survey more often than before to check how people were doing. So instead of doing it every six to 12 months, we start doing every three weeks and very with few questions, really check how the 
you know, uh, situation was there, how people were feeling. And then with that uh, uh, supporting team leaders or manager to create some uh, open space for people to really share and uh, feel vulnerable about uh, the situation that was going on. Also to share thinking about how can they contribute more, how they can contribute to the strategy that was changing, how they can contribute to the new goals of the team and the organization overall, because we were shifting. As I said, we unfortunately went through a, a tough time, how they can uh, support other teams who uh, were having this kind of loss. And if, uh, I mean, I was specifically supporting as a senior HRBP, the machine learning department, who was less impacted than other department as you know, we create this, this hub to make sure we were using um, yeah, the right data and support for, for others to, uh, to grow other area of the organization to grow. But at the same time was like, I am also part of this organization. How can I and my team start supporting areas that are more impacted? It could be, you know, the, the customer service areas or other areas. So like stop working in silos. That was my big thing. I uh, think you are part of a bigger organization because sometimes we think about, okay, this is how we should work because this is our uh, way of working and this is the department we focus on, forgetting that you are part of a bigger ecosystem. And if you change something in one part, at some point, this part, even if it is going well, is going to start crumble and uh, you, cannot, you cannot allow that. So you want to try to keep the, as much as possible uh, a nice and good um well-being and balance uh, throughout the organization. So for me, it's like uh, definitely stop the barrier and working, not working in silos anymore, not thinking about HRBP in isolation with the managers, but is co-creating way of communicating, working and thinking with other areas of HR, like the famous COEs in this case, and other areas of organization. So really start expanding your way of uh, thinking and knowledge. See how, for example, machine learning can connect to uh, customer service or even to you know, uh, account management, sales, uh, finance. So expand your horizon. So that was, uh, yeah, uh, shortly my uh, advice to my team and uh, what they are already practicing before going back to uh, to the office, which of course is not going to be the same way it was before. We will keep an hybrid, um, an hybrid um, situation, like we can work from home and uh, from the office when needed. Thanks, Tamara. Great for your insights. So we will uh, uh, give this advice uh, all over the world with customer when we will speak with other people and so on. Thank you very much. Thank you, Vera, for your question. Lots of, lots of very valuable gems there, Tamara. I do appreciate that. Um, I, I, I guess what I, I'd like to say is, that, Tamara, so in terms of when you're talking about this individual um, um, Agile people principle, what we can see is that they're not mutually exclusive. There is 35 of the okay. principles. And you've talked about four or five of them or included them within your, your, your chapter as well. So they're not mutually exclusive. There is overlap. There is sort of compatibility and, and Hopefully. Uh, you know, and it's, and it's absolutely great. And I'm hearing that from everybody that I've spoken to as well. So it's fantastic that 
you know, you didn't just make up the, the Agile manif people manifesto on the spot in isolation. It was a coming together, a collusion, um, you know, collective intelligence and, and yet an absolute gem that's um, come out of it. And, you yes. know, we speak very highly of it. It's the Agile People um, Principles book, your future, um, your call to action for the future of work. Um, and it's a it's a great book and and you know one that we're we're going to continue to to promote and look at um, for years to come. I'm very sure. We have Oscar with his hand up. Um, Oscar. Yeah, Tamara, great stuff. And and as you know, David was saying, it's full of like precious gems for everyone. Um, something that came to my mind when you were talking about the thought process and how we need to break those mental barriers that I guess are part of our belief system as, as, you know, as humans and has to do with culture and has to do with the way we um, were educated and, and, and we, we grew up. Um, and just this, this great example, and, and speaking of Italy, came to my mind, um, there is this story that Francesca Gino, who is a, business, a Harvard Business um, School professor, always tells um, on, on, you know, on, on, on on, on his speech, on her speeches and everything uh, about the story of this chef called Massimo Buttura. He's based in Modena in Italy and how he disrupted that traditional and historical Italian cuisine and, you know, just changing the way recipes were crafted and, and recipes were presented and, and everything. And I know that's part of the tradition of Italy, but also that piece of disruption that sometimes we need to have in order to adapt and in order to evolve are, are definitely great. So in my question, um, and this is, and, and, I, and I think you are, I mean, you're, yourself, you are a great example of that adaptability that we need to have. Because we, I mean, you, you mentioned that you are half Italian, half Dutch, you have lived abroad for like many years in many places. So you basically have put into practice like adaptability patterns and adaptability tra traits that, um, you know, are not common for everyone in the world. So I will say like what in your personal um, experience, what has been like the key or those key factors, you know, that helped you to, to adapt every time that you needed to change countries or that you needed to change jobs or that you needed to change companies because it's it's not easy and it's not for everyone um so I, I'm, I'm just curious about that yes thank you for the question it's, uh, it's actually um uh, very very inspiring and uh, what i can say about it is indeed that it's not easy that's not absolutely easy to switch and leave everything behind every time i move uh, a, from a country to another country or from a company to another company for me is like uh, you know I, I i'm so sad every time it's like there is a moment where i'm like why am i doing that uh especially because i always live even if i'm fine it's not there is nothing wrong i'm fine but it comes to a moment where i feel like now it's time to move on and i think uh analyzing myself because as, as you said uh, you need to do lots of introspection there and I start using tools as emotional intelligence, mindfulness, um, to, to really look at that, doing coaching myself, uh, receiving coaching from others, uh, because it's important to understand what your real values are. 
Uh, with this, I realized that my uh, deep value is uh, and ground value is uh, learning uh, and therefore and growth. So everything I do is because I want to uh, improve and be a better person. But then I would start thinking, why do I want to do that? And, and what is the purpose behind it? And this is because I realized what I want to do is uh, connecting uh, with people, helping people, and uh, trying to create a, a community or even you know, reducing um, uh, diversity and creating bridges. And so everything I do, and that's why for me, uh, um, contact and living in other places was very important because I needed to understand how people really think. Uh, and another thing people say, why wow, you are very good at you know, speaking languages. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But I think it's so important that you speak a language so I'm not afraid, I just start speaking if it is not correct, because I really want to connect deeply and sometimes the language is an important vehicle there. So every time it's like, why am I learning languages? I mean, I don't need to learn languages, but it's like, if I don't, I really will not, I will miss the essence of that. And uh, for me, really knowing deeply people is important because that would let me to help, um, yeah, organization, communities to, to be better. So I could be a better servant in a way. Uh, and I will feel fulfilled by doing that. So yeah, every time I'm suffering for something, Beautiful. I miss my family. I miss my the Italian food all the time. It was like, I miss my food. I miss my friend. <laughs> it's like I change this with like, okay, you are doing this and change your thoughts. You are thinking you are missing your food, but look how beautiful and rich is the food here. Experience that. Or you are missing your family, but you always find someone you know the other friends there that are willing to to help you and be your new family so every time i have my my heart uh, everywhere in, in all the countries and i'm like i yeah every time it's difficult even to to leave the countries so where for a long yeah. time yeah. you can always rely on oscar to bring up a food type based question tomorrow um, yeah, um so have a, have a pop quiz as you mentioned modena there what is modena famous for in terms of addressing well, Modena is a city in Italy that is, uh, yeah, I mean, very famous and all the region is very famous for rich food. By the way, I studied in Bologna, which is uh, like uh, 20 kilometers from Modena. So I'm very well aware of this, uh, um, of this area and I know very well uh, the restaurant you mentioned, although I never had the possibility to eat there because there is a, a waiting list of years. It's, it's impossible to find a table. Uh, but yeah, this, this very genius guy and chef uh, had, uh, yeah, I think it's true, he disrupted the way he um, considered food, but he stayed uh, very, very close to his values, which is uh, very close to his roots. He never moved like Modena. What is Modena? I say, no, this is the place. He knows what are the, uh, the tradition and uh, the ingredients that he needs to use from the, uh, the, the kitchen that is the cuisine that is famous there, but he just used them in a different way and present them in a different way. So he just want to show different way of experiencing them. So he want to, to share experience, new texture of food, uh, new uh, uh, yeah, ingredients, but they are all coming from uh, the original territory. So I think he stayed true to that and that was the success of, your, of his uh, of this story and it's still very successful <laughs> fantastic Beautiful. 
Um, um, Tamara, I know that you have a bit of a hard close today. I, we could absolutely talk to you all day and we will happily oh, have I you. Oh, I would love to. Let's talk more. But yes, absolutely. absolutely. We will absolutely happily I'm have a... you on another episode. But I'm going to take a last question. I think that Vera wanted to ask me something. So maybe absolutely. I can take it. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I was lost a little bit with the story of Bottura that uh, had, uh, is very famous in Italy because they had a, a strong purpose to engage all the people in the community, local community, yeah. uh, to work in this experience. So at the end, they succeed. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we will reserve a table for the next year. <laughs> yes, let's all go there. <laughs> Together. But uh, my question, Tamara, is about you. You had experience in different countries and you start from Italy. I'm Italian as well. And you think that in the new uh, world of work that could be hybrid. Many companies are saying we will work hybrid because the people want to work hybrid. Mm -hmm. But you think that cultural differences like Italian or Netherlands or other countries that you know better um, could impact uh, uh, in a different way on the on the change, or you think that is not about culture, but it, it is about the single person. What's your experience about? Yeah. Uh, uh, that's also a very good question. Thanks for asking. I always ask myself if the cultural difference would make a, a change, even in when I experienced that when I was moving from country to country to work. Because, uh, of course, I came with all my Italian background. Of course, it changed all the time because wherever you work, you take something. So they say you are very open. So you took it from Spain. You have this. You took it from there. You know, like you are very direct. You took it from the Dutch. You are. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, you always tend to take the best out of it. But I think that being uh, authentic is very important in that. Uh, and on the other end, I think that the needs of people are uh, the same at the end of the day. Um, and it's not related to cultural differences. Um, so if you, and that's where it goes back to knowing the people very well, because then you understand what the situation and, and the needs are. Um, I think an hybrid way of working would be most successful to try to um, find a balance between the people who really enjoy and love this new way of working and they will never go back to the office and those that are like feeling a little bit less engaged because maybe they live alone, they don't have a, you know, a possibility to uh, connect to others. Uh, in the organization where I work, I think the most uh, uh, difficult population that we analyze, I mean, I think the majority of the people, and we did because we are a global uh, company did the survey in all the countries so it's not just the Netherlands so we have data coming from different countries and uh, for example uh, I was very surprised to see the people uh, that have children uh, or family if at the beginning they were struggling now are actually the one that would say ah, I wouldn't mind to spend more time at home because they enjoy the fact that maybe they can go to pick up the kids or have a lunch together or having a, you know a dog that they can walk during the uh, so, you know, they break. So it completely changed the mindset uh, where people that may be uh, relocated to another country for work and, and didn't have the possibility to create their own network because of this isolation are looking forward to go back to the office and start connecting. So there are different needs, but I think all the needs come up to a connection. So you really want to feel you belong, you are part of something 
and uh, whatever you are doing has, has an impact on others. And uh, um, I think we only need to find a way, especially in HR, to accommodate that. Even sometimes it is difficult because every, every time you think about different legislation, different countries, what is possible, what is not possible to do on a, from a legal perspective. But at the end of the day, there is always a way to go uh, around it and make it, and make it possible. And a great thing in the book, Tamara, is that you've 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 highlighted some of those remedial actions anyway, and talked about the role of the the agile people coach, the use of OKRs, emotional agility, etc. etc. So you're already, you know, setting people off on that journey. It's not a case of you're just saying, you know, just adapt, just change that mindset, and off you go. You're actually saying, you know, here's the steps that allow you to 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 get on that journey. You know. So this is fantastic, absolutely great talking to you. I wish we had plenty of time to go through this. I absolutely suggest that we do come back, revisit um, with Tamara Molinas. It's an absolute joy to have you today um, to talk about the Agile People principle of adaptability and others. Um, great to have both Oscar and Vera with us as well. And yes, this could, um, conversation can turn into um, something that we have over a drink and some plate of food and, and, and in that restaurant that was mentioned in Italy as well. Absolutely. We'll all look forward to it. I don't care who's paying, but we're all going. <laughs> I love it. Um, last word um, from yourself, Tamara. Yeah, I know. I really enjoyed this conversation. I, as I said, I didn't know what to expect, but that bring me and uh, brought me lots of uh, joy and, uh, and passion. So I think uh, the people we're going to meet next are going to benefit about this uh, excitement. So I'm going to be very entertaining. <laughs> and, uh, I wish I could uh, continue this conversation because now I'm uh, also thinking about community uh, in, a, in a broader uh, perspective. And I'm uh, actually uh, joining an Italian community. So maybe Vera, we can connect and I can tell you how I'm inspired by, uh, you know, uh, for sure, Tamara. We wait for you. Well. <laughs> and Oscar, thank you so much. And thank you both for your, uh, the three of you, for your amazing questions and uh, yeah, for the interest you had in the topic. Awesome. It's, it's, it's just the start, Tamara. Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. So thank you, uh, everyone. That was the Agile People podcast, Adaptability and the Principle. We will speak to um, Tamara, um, Vera and Oscar at some um, soon um, time. I'm absolutely sure of that. Um, for now, I'd like to just thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. And we will speak to you on the next episode. Bye-bye for now. Thank you. Bye.